Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, Texans reporter for ESPN Houston, along with my partner in crime. Picking the funk while talking Texans, too. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman, the other half of the Locked On Texans duo, a part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This show is brought to you by the people that's making football way easier to watch, and that's Pepsi. This football season has been a whole lot of different, and Pepsi is here to get us ready for game day, no matter how we watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment we need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. On today's episode, we're going to talk about, of course, 16 and Kirby Moore Madness with Jack Easterby. His name has came up in the news. We're going to look at Allen Robinson to Houston in the offseason and why that makes sense for both parties. And we're going to finish it off with an injury report and how missing players could affect Sunday's matchup against the Chicago Bears. So the news that we have received about Jack Easterby, about more of the madness that we are hearing uh, coming out officially from 16 in Kirby at the NRG Stadium. Here's what I woke up to this morning. Is Jack Easterby the bad guy in the Houston Texans' foolish DeAndre Hopkins trade? Maybe, but there's danger in scapegoating one guy. Headline reads this morning, is Jack Easterby the bad guy? That's how we started the day in Houston sports media. The conversation is very interesting because I think all signs are pointing to Easterby being exactly who everybody in the sports media have been hinting at since the firing of Bill O'Brien, who he really is. And I have, I have a couple points to make. This source is definitely someone who is tired of working with Jackie's to be. Could be because of job security is in trouble or just doesn't play like East to be in the culture he has created, all in the same time justifying letting go of members because of culture needs. We got to look at uh, Chris Olsen, the cap manager. We got to look at Amy Palchek, players like DeAndre Hopkins, when justifying why each one of those people was let go or traded, the word culture came up. And the fact that we're hearing this now in week 12, 13, whatever week we're in, about how he was actually the one behind the DeAndre Hopkins trade, he was the one that pushed it, lets us know that there's people in this organization who, of course, are going to remain nameless that are tired of everything that he's doing, which leads me to another point that I would like to make. The only way Cal McNair would fire him is to leak this news so everybody would know and force his hand, listeners at home. That's why I think that news came out yesterday on Thursday. That's why I think we're hearing that, oh, I know you guys want to place a lot of blame on Bill O'Brien, which is perfectly fine, because at the end of the day, there's nobody that should feel sorry for him. He was the acting general manager and head coach. So as a head coach, you should have been able to, to vouch for your player when discussing with yourself whether or not to make the trade as a GM, you were the one that finalized it. But he wanted to also, whoever this person is, man, woman, wanted it to be known. 
it wasn't him alone. There's another culprit that has been behind the scene that is forcing his hand, and now it's time to get him out. Like, Jack Easterby is Hank Schrader from Breaking Bad. Over the course of time, he's he's super annoying, but eventually you realize he's the real villain. That, that's how I feel about Jack Easterby moving forward. Look, the Jack Easterby story in Sports Illustrated just confirmed everybody's speculations about him. When Bill O'Brien got fired, a source that I actually spoke to who really has great knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes in the Houston Texans organization told me that it doesn't matter if Bill O'Brien kept his job or not. The team was not going to get anywhere until they depart from Easterby. And what I get the sense of the most, especially after reading that article in Sports Illustrated, the majority of the Texans' mismanagement over the last two seasons has, has came from Easterby. Whether that's getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins or just bad personnel decisions overall, it appears that Bill O'Brien was more so Easterby's puppet. And now that O'Brien is gone, the truth about Easterby is starting to come out even more. If I'm Cal McNair, look, I'm firing Jack Easterby as soon as this season is over. Because given everything that has happened since this man has arrived, this can actually ruin this team in more ways than one. And for Cal McNair, I, I want to say this before moving on. McNair may not know anything about running a football operation, but he is a businessman at the end of the day. And this Easterby nonsense could be detrimental to his business. And to prove my point even further, I want to take it to Twitter. I ran across this tweet from a guy, his headline reads, I don't believe in the Easter Bunny. For those of you who don't know, a lot of people who cannot stand Jack Easterby calls him the Easter Bunny. But his tweet reads, I will sell every Houston Texan season ticket I owe here on out if Jack Easter Bunny is all to continue to con this fan base and this ownership. And I'm sure this guy who tweeted this is not the only one who feels this way. I also want to mention the hashtag fire Jack Easterby has gained a lot of attraction over the last 24 hours. You know, Jack Easterby's job is uh, to manage football operations and direct the overall culture of this organization. At four and eight internal turmoil, Jack Easterby has failed the organization at both jobs. And it's also noteworthy that today, or yesterday rather, we found out that Tony Dungy is not actually a part of the so-called searching firm committee to help Houston find their next GM in Houston along with their head coach. So there's a lot going on. And it seems like that they can't get a grasp of the inside uh, turmoil before they hit the field. But we want to talk about the field and why Allen Robinson makes complete sense when discussing the possible union of him and Houston with Deshaun Watson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Locked On Texans, only on the Locked On Podcast Network, Cody Davis Johnson, Sports Guy Hickman. As you guys know, look, today is Friday, which means the next time me and John jump back on the mic, we will be discussing the Houston Texans. Hopefully, it will be a win as we recap the game against the Chicago Bears. Speaking of the Chicago Bears, we want to let you guys know why we feel that the Texans should target Allen Robinson this offseason. Yesterday, John, you and I discussed the possibility of reuniting with Jadavion Clowney. 
And that discussion had me thinking about a couple players I think the Texans should target in free agency this coming offseason. And since we are playing against the Chicago Bears on Sunday, I began to wonder about the possibility of the Texans making a move for Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson. As we all know, Robinson is going to be on the market this coming offseason as an unrestricted free agent. And I'm pretty sure, John, just like you mentioned yesterday during our crossover show, Robinson will likely be on the move in the next couple of months. So this has me thinking, given Robinson's situation in Chicago, and you see what's going on here with the Houston Texans, I think Robinson and the Texans will make a great fit for each other. Now, of course, by going after Robinson, the top two questions will be, do Houston have the money? And what will this mean for Will Fuller? From the money aspect of it, Robinson has always been one of the most underrated players in the league, especially considering the fact that he plays the same position as guys like Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, and DeAndre Hopkins for the majority of his career. So with that being said, I don't think Robinson would be out of Houston's price range because, of course, he would not be demanding the type of money a top-tier receiver would normally get. Plus, When you look at the quarterbacks he has played with throughout his career, starting in Jacksonville and now here in Chicago, I'm pretty sure he will like an opportunity to play alongside Deshaun Watson, who will by far be the best quarterback that he has ever played with. And then for the Texans case, the addition of Robinson will actually give them a pretty solid number one receiver while still allowing Watson to have a plethora of targets on any given Sunday. Now, as for what does this mean for Will Fuller in the perfect world, (laughs) I would love to see the Texans pair Robinson alongside Fuller, but I don't think that is realistic given the small amount of money the Texans are going into the free agency with. So with that being said, a potential Robinson signing could possibly mean moving on from Will Fuller. And no, I'm not basing this off of his suspension but more so the fact that Robinson has already proven that he can be a pretty solid number one option. Plus he is a more doable player outside of 2017 when he missed the entire season after dealing with a knee injury. Unfortunately for Fuller, he has not proven yet he can be a solid number one option, nor he can get through an entire season. So if the money is right and you were already on the verge of breaking the bank for Will Fuller, Why not take a chance on someone who, in my opinion, is the better and safer version than what you already have? Well, so when we look at Allen Robinson's current contract, we look at three years, $42 million, uh, 18 at signing guaranteed, 25 total guaranteed, uh, with an average salary of $14 million per year. And that's great money. But like you mentioned, Houston does not have a lot of money going into the offseason. And is receiver their number one problem? And if we rank problems for Houston, uh, would receiver come up in the top three? Not really. I don't think so. We would look at defense, of course. We would look at offensive line. And then you may want to look at boosting up and getting better uh, in your front four of your, of your defense. So you look at the secondary, you look at the defensive line, and then you look at your offensive line. I think Larry Warford would be a good replacement for uh, Zach Fulton for next year. He's a free agent, so we can see what he has. But back to Allen Robinson, he is a dynamic receiver, 1,400 yards and I think 14 touchdowns with Blake Bortles, right? And he's had a 1,000-yard uh, seasons with the likes of uh, Nick Foles, Mr. Trubisky. He's having a very good year despite the lack of QB play. The problem isn't if Houston is a receiver away. 
The problem is just simply Houston is too many things away. You have to go sign you a competent cornerback in this offseason. You might want to go look at deeply looking at a, a safety, right? Bulking up and bringing in some more talent um, when we look at the defensive line. And hey, I got some feedback on that Jadavion Clowney coming to Houston feed. I saw a lot of people say, well, they would agree because you would probably possibly be able to bring him in on an incentive-based deal that's cheap, not high, and we know he's not going to get that high-end money. So I will look at that because you need help stopping the run. Allen Robinson just doesn't scream uh, uh, end-all, be-all to help spend money on, to help Houston, and you have to spend that amount of money on. Because if you got $14 million the first time, and I think he was worth every penny of that $14 million per year with 25 total with Mr. Trubisky and Nick Foles as your quarterback, and sometimes uh, who else they throw in, then he's going to want more. Houston doesn't have enough to give him and afford to get better at their other positions. And that's why I say, you know, when you take a look at his situation, especially for his career, you have to consider the fact that he has never played with a good quarterback, nor more so playing for a winning team. So I'm pretty sure if you look at the Texans, you know, I have the opportunity to play alongside Deshaun Watson. If and when they get their BS together in the front office, you can possibly say that this team is going to be in playoff contention, hopefully starting next season. I understand with you talking about, yes, there are other holes that the Houston Texans need to make sure that they feel, you know, you mentioned the possibility of them bringing in someone who can actually help with stopping the run. You, you can, you can also talk about them fixing the offensive line, especially the interior of the offensive line. But at the end of the day, you look at the receiving core, look, heading into Sunday's game, we honestly don't even know who Deshaun Watson going to be throwing to. You know, we're going to get into this on the other side of the break. Um, the fact that we're looking at the injury report and Brandon Cooks and Kiki QT is on there. And you're talking about two players who have already battled through a plethora of injuries throughout their career. You talk about injuries, you have to talk about Will Fuller as well. And I think the same type of money that Will Fuller was going to demand from the Texans why not give that same type of money to someone you know is going to be available? And like I say, in my opinion, is the better virgin. My only dispute to that would be we've seen Deshaun Watson work with Chad Hansen and Kiki QT and, and, and a lot of no-name guys. So is receiver, again, the number one priority we want to spend some big money on? Again, I would disagree and say no. However, to your point, the injury report does state that we have big name, at least for us in our system here, what we do in Houston, we have big guys out that can affect what Houston does uh, on Sunday against the Chicago Bears. And so that's something we desperately need to discuss here on Locked on Texans. Welcome back in. And as we are ready to discuss our final thoughts before Sunday's matchup, we are here to discuss the injury report. Uh, some, of the, some of the information and news about the players that came out, Cody alluded, alluded to a little bit in the second segment where we discussed Allen Robinson and the needed wide receiver. And so that kind of will help me bring in what's going on with the Houston Texans. First thing I want to hop into is the actual injury report. On Wednesday, the Texans had four players who did not participate in practice. That was tight end Farrell Brown, who's nursing a concussion. Cornerbacks Keon Crossan, who's nursing a foot injury, and Philip Gaines, who's nursing a knee and shoulder injury, along with John Reed, who's nursing a neck injury. The Texans did have limited participation from Brandon Cooks, a foot and neck injury, and Kiki QT. He's been bothered by his knee, along with running back CJ Prosize, 
with an undisclosed illness. And for Houston, why I totally disagree with bringing in Allen Robinson for next year. Man, it would be good to have him for this year, right? I mean, Will Fuller goes down uh, the same week Kenny Steals is released. Then um, on the other side of the ball, when I mentioned the cornerbacks, Keon Cross and Philip Gaines and John Reed, Bradley Roby's out for suspension. So we have two players out with suspension. And now our top receiver outside of Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, he's not participating in practice. He's in limited participation. He's on an injury list. Kiki QT, who has found the fountain of youth for his game because he's still very young. He's dealing with injury and has had limited participation at practice. And so for Houston, having these many guys out at positions where they are either the best or 1A at really, really does hurt. Now, for the cornerback position, there isn't a 1A guy. I mean, you can go with Vernon Hargraves, but, I mean, we've seen him have his more than share of bad days. And so, but Phillip Gaines uh, is a starter. Keon Crossing has been getting some good playing time. And the anticipation of whether or not we will ever see John Reed play significant uh, snaps on Sunday has really been up in question. And I'm starting to think to myself, we probably won't this year, which kind of sucks in a sense because you still want to see what you have out of the players. But at receiver, I did notice that um, Isaiah Coulter name did not come up. Right. He has been a scratch, whether it's healthy or non-healthy due to injury or just not ready. He's been a scratch. And so if either Kiki QT or Brandon Cooks, who are who are nursing very serious injuries, one with a foot and neck, the other one with uh, Kiki QT has a knee injury. Brandon Cooks also suffered a concussion uh, not too long ago. So if we're not able to see either one of those guys, and of course, we're going to see a heavy dose of of Chad Hansen, but we should finally see the rookie Isaiah Coulter play some football on Sunday. I don't think we will. Um, and, and I say that because I, I could be wrong, especially the last two weeks. I don't remember seeing Isaiah Coulter name on the injury report um, more so last week when we thought we was going to see him, you know, John, this is the injury report, not the active inactive report. And of course, <laughs> Isaiah Coulter's name has been on the inactive report a lot. So Look, it's like I told you prior to this show. I would not be surprised, you know, if it's the last game of the season and we just tried out there with Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt because, I mean, between suspensions and injuries and you even got to take into consideration illnesses, the Texans are just losing nearly all of their people. And that's why this game on Sunday is such a toss-up. On any given year, not named 2020 for Houston. I would say that the Texans will easily come away victorious in this game, but hell, just, just look at the backfield. You have David and Duke Johnson on his list. Now I get it. David Johnson did not practice on Thursday due to something that is non-injury related, which I'm still a little bit concerned about that because maybe something is going on with him personally, which means his mind might not be 100% on the game. So that could affect him. Duke Johnson is listed with an illness nine times out of 10, given this virus, he's not going to be playing on Sunday. They might keep him out for precautionary reasons, just like we saw a couple of weeks ago with Laramie Tunsil. So it's 2020. It's the Houston Texans. At this point, like I said, 
last game of the season is just going to be Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt active. And with Jack Easterby, he'll find some kind of way to make that happen. To know the Chicago Bears had 12 players on their injury report, which included uh, tight end Jimmy Graham. He was just resting, so I'm sure he will be uh, ready to go on Sunday. So was Akeem Nix, one of my favorite defensive tackles in the league. Cahill Mack with a shoulder injury. Allen Robinson with a knee injury, amongst others. So they're also important men on both sides of the ball for Sunday. How does this news hurt Houston on the defensive side of the ball? And how does those Bears players being out help their case to win? Well, I think if Khalil Mack is out, our offensive line, who's already been struggling, will have an easier day. Akeem Nix will play, of course, so that's not a problem. And I think ultimately so will Khalil Mack. Uh, but if Adam Robinson is out, then our secondary, who has struggled immensely, they won't have to worry about one of those receivers that can have a great game if you let them. And so uh, that's how that affects the game on Sunday. But still, overall, I don't trust their quarterback situation. I haven't since 2017, to be completely honest with you. So it's going to continue to roll. I have Houston winning on Sunday uh, with the over under five being the best for me. I don't think they win over five. I think they five and under. So I can see like maybe like a maybe like a 23-18 type of game Houston's way. Uh, I think it's a fair number still, you know, kind of different from what I said on crossover show, but similar. I'm John Some Sports Scott Hickman. Hey guys, remember we will talk to you on Monday to recap the game. And you can catch the podcast on all of the major podcasting platforms, which is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook. Leave us a review as well. Follow me on Twitter at Some Sports Guy. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C O T Y D A V I S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.